Let me ask you a question. If you had a, a piece of wood, a log, even if it was a, a good burning log, how would you start it on fire? If you really wanted it to be on fire, how would you start it on fire? I, I was sitting there thinking, if you had a, a thousand matches and you just tried to start that log on fire, I imagine, especially if you're anything like me and you struggle to get a fire started, if you used all thousand matches on that log, you probably would exhaust them all without starting it on fire, wouldn't you? In order to get it to catch fire, you're going to have to put it amongst other burning logs, aren't you? That's really the only way to take a single piece of wood or a single piece of coal and catch it on fire is to put it with other burning pieces of wood or burning pieces of coal. And likewise, if you want to extinguish a single log, if you want to extinguish a single coal and it's in the midst of a burning fire, what are you going to have to do? Remove it from the group, aren't you? You're going to have to isolate it from the group because that's how, that's how things that are on fire, how they're extinguished is removing them from the group. And it's almost impossible to catch fire alone. And that's true for Christians as well, isn't it? It's almost impossible to catch fire alone. If you want to be spiritually on fire, it's almost impossible to accomplish that alone. You're going to have to be with other people who are spiritually on fire. And likewise, if you remove yourself from the group of people who are spiritually on fire, chances are your fire will go out. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about spiritual practices that will help us to align ourselves with the Holy Spirit, right? We've been talking about these spiritual practices, reminding ourselves every week that this isn't how we force God to fill us. This isn't how we force God or force the Holy Spirit to fill us. You can't force God to do anything, but you can decide that you will get on board with the Holy Spirit's agenda. You can decide that you will align yourself with him so that when you are aligned with him, you're moving in the same direction. You're tuned into his frequency. You are being filled by him and walking with him and walking in him rather than by the flesh. And so we've been talking about these practices that will help us to align ourselves with the Holy Spirit. The, the last and final one is this idea of fellowship. Fellowship. Now, we use this word all the time, don't we? Christians use this word all the time. And when I heard fellowship, when I was a teenager especially, and I heard fellowship, what do you think I thought of? Potluck. That's right, potluck. <laughs> Potluck, because that's what I thought fellowship was. Fellowship was potluck. At least it was food of some sort. It was going to be eating something. That's what fellowship was. Or sometimes we would use fellowship for just chatting it up in the foyer, right? That was fellowship. We said, well, we're going to spend some time in fellowship. Church, I hate to break it to you, but that's not what fellowship means. 
That's not what fellowship means. In fact, that is a, a distortion and a reduction and a minimizing of what fellowship is. In fact, it would be like this. I was trying to think, what would be a, an analogy, a metaphor, something similar that we, we would never say? It would be like this. If you went, if you're married and you went out with your spouse for dinner and a movie, you wouldn't call that marriage, would you? You wouldn't say, well, we went out for marriage tonight. You wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say, I'm going to dinner and a movie, and that's, that's our marriage for the week. That's not marriage. It's not marriage. That may be something you do to celebrate your marriage. That might be something you do to revitalize your marriage, to help your marriage, or because you are married. But that, going on a date, is not marriage. Similarly, eating a meal together it's not fellowship. We could say it like this. Fellowship is about sharing your life, not just sharing a meal. It's about being in close relationship, not just close proximity. That's what fellowship is. Fellowship is about sharing our life with each other. It's something we're supposed to always be in, not just when we're sitting around the table, not just when we're chatting it up in the foyer. Now, don't get me wrong, it's good, it's good to, to have potluck, it's good to share a meal, it's good to chat it up in the, in the foyer, but, but that's not fellowship. We can't reduce fellowship to that. Fellowship is a close relationship that we are always supposed to be maintaining and be celebrating. And yes, sometimes we, we share a meal because we are in fellowship. We share a conversation because we have fellowship with one another. It's about sharing our life. It's about each other. And so back to our big picture for this series, so what does that have to do with the Holy Spirit? Why do you need to be in close Christian fellowship to fully experience the Holy Spirit? And I want to put it before you that you do. You do. You have to be in close Christian fellowship to fully experience the Holy Spirit. It's almost impossible to catch fire by yourself. You cannot fully experience the Holy Spirit in isolation from other Christians. If you remove yourself from close personal relationships with other Christians, you cannot be fully experiencing the Holy Spirit. Again, we live in a culture and a time where we tend to think about spirituality as an individual experience. But Scripture doesn't put it that way. Scripture lets us know that if you want to fully experience what the Holy Spirit wants to give you, then you have to be in close relationship, fellowship with other Christians. So why is that the case? Why do we have to be in close relationship with other Christians in order to fully experience the Holy Spirit? Well, look, here's what Paul writes. And Paul is addressing, as has already been pointed out today, Paul's addressing the division that exists in the church at Corinth, and he's addressing a lot of the questions that the Corinthian Christians wrote to Paul and asked about. And he starts this section by saying, now concerning spiritual gifts. Now, the word gifts is kind of supplied by the translators. Sometimes there's a, an adjective, sometimes there's a, a descriptive word, and the, the noun is just kind of implied. But 
here we're not really sure what, what is the, the noun here. It could be now concerning spiritual things. Now concerning spiritual things. Or now concerning spiritual people. The translators have decided he probably means now concerning spiritual gifts, because that's kind of the, the context here. But he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now that, that, right there at the very beginning, it tells us a lot about spiritual things or spirituality or the gifts of the Spirit. Because so often, even today, we can get caught up in what we, what we speculate about the Holy Spirit and we, we think about things that are really impressive, like speaking in tongues, and that's the way they were just totally fascinated by and captivated by and obsessed with the idea of speaking in tongues. And Paul's point over and over again isn't that the Holy Spirit allows you to do some impressive tricks. It's that the Holy Spirit is bringing glory to the Son. The Holy Spirit is bringing glory to Jesus. It's not about whether or not a person speaks in tongues. It's about what that person is saying. And if that person is saying Jesus Christ is Lord, that's from the Holy Spirit. The only way to say that is from the Holy Spirit because saying Jesus Christ is Lord, that's what distinguished God's people from everybody else. A person still practicing Judaism wouldn't say Jesus Christ is Lord, for them, they would feel like that might be blasphemy. So it set them apart from the Jews. It set them apart from the Greeks, from the pagans. It set them apart from the Romans who would eventually say that Caesar is Lord. And Paul says this is how you know that someone is speaking from the Holy Spirit is when they say Jesus Christ is Lord. So how do I know that the Spirit is in me? Because I can say with all sincerity, Jesus is Lord. He is Lord and He is my Lord. He has my allegiance. He has my loyalty. I'm committed to Him. And throughout the Scriptures, the idea that the only way you can know that and see that and understand that and truly believe that is if you have been influenced by the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God reveals that truth and it distinguishes God's people from everyone else. Look at verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, I, I really like predictability. I don't know about you. Maybe you're not. Maybe you like chaos. I don't know. But I really like predictability. I like consistency. I like when everything is the same. God likes variety. And that's Paul's whole point here. God likes variety. And he says, listen, listen, stop thinking that it's these people that have a certain kind of gift from the Holy Spirit that they really have the Holy Spirit. And the people that don't have that gift, they don't really have the Holy Spirit. Paul says, no, nonsense. The Holy Spirit works in different ways and different people at different times. 
And he's working in these people this way and he's working in those people that way. But it's the same spirit of God who is working. It's the same spirit. He just works in a variety of different ways. He works in you differently than he works in me. He may work in the church in Plano different than he works in the church in Mexico. He may work in the church in the 21st century differently than he worked in the church in the 1st century. But you know what? That's God's prerogative. That's God's prerogative. He loves variety. And he loves to bless individual people at different times and different places with different gifts. But Paul says, in spite of that variety and those differences of how the Holy Spirit is working in different people, in different places, at different times, he is the same Spirit of God. It's the same Spirit. It's the same Spirit who is working in a variety of ways. Verse 8, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between, between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Paul is saying God doesn't give all of these gifts to any one individual. It's not how God works. He doesn't give all of these gifts to one individual. He spread them out in a variety of different ways. And we may look at the church in the 21st century and we say, well, where's the cool gifts? Where's the cool gifts? I, 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 want, I want the cool gifts. I, I want to be able to speak in tongues. I want to be able to prophesy. I want to be able to heal. But what Paul is saying is, they're all cool gifts. The Holy Spirit gives to the church and gives to each individual what the church at that time, at that place, with that person needs. And it's God's prerogative to bless you with the gifts he's given you and bless them, whoever they are, with the gifts that he's given them. But it's the same Spirit of God who is working in you all. The same Spirit of God is blessing you with the gifts he's given you just as he blessed them with the gifts he gave them. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. I mean, isn't that amazing that the same Spirit of God who empowered the apostles to speak in tongues on the day of Pentecost, the same Spirit of God who empowered Peter to allow the lame beggar to walk again, the same Spirit of God who gave Paul the ability and power to raise the dead, the same Spirit of God who gave John the ability to see visions is the same Spirit of God who is empowering you to do your ministry. You have a ministry. And the Spirit of God is empowering you to do your ministry. And the gifts that he's given you are just as cool, are just as awesome, are just as wonderful as the gifts he gave them. And he gave you those gifts for the common good of the church so that through you, through your activities, through your service, through your ministry, the church might be blessed. The church in the first century needed those particular gifts by those particular people at that particular time. 
And the church today needs the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to you for the common good of the church. Are you allowing the common good of the church? Look at verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. See, I love this about God, don't you? God loves diversity. God loves variety. And Paul says, no matter where you came from, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your language, no matter your culture, no matter the way that God has gifted you, we all were baptized into one body. We all drank of the same Holy Spirit. He's the one who makes us one. He makes us one. It's not because we're the same that we're one. See, we struggle with this, don't we? The church in the first century struggled with this. How do we be one if we're different? How do we, how do we be one if we're Jews and Greeks? How do we be one if we're slaves and free? How do we be one if we have different gifts and different ministries? Paul says, recognize where those varieties and differences came from. And who is making you one in Christ Jesus? It is the Holy Spirit of God. And then recognize that he blessed you with everything he gave to you. Whatever your unique role in life is, whatever your unique gifting is, whatever it is, however he has blessed you, he blessed you for the common good of the church. Your gifts were given to you for other people, for their blessing, that you might be a conduit of the gifts of the Holy Spirit for their good, for their blessing. You may look at your gifts and think, I, I don't see anything special here. You may look at your life and think, I don't see anything special here. But the Holy Spirit says, don't insult my work. <laughs> don't insult my work. I'm working in you for them. I'm working in you for them. I'm working in you to do good and bless others in the church for the common good. Verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, eh, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Don't despise your gift. Don't despise your gift. Don't despise the way the Holy Spirit is working in you. But also, not only don't despise your gift, don't deprive the church of your gift. You know what happens? When you're not in close relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you pull yourself away from the fire, you pull yourself away from the body, what if my finger said, eh, I'm just a finger, what, what difference do I really make? And he said, I'm just going to pull myself away from the body. Then there's no way that the rest of the body will benefit from the gifts that only that finger can do. 
You may look at your gifts and say, I don't see anything special here, but trust God, he doesn't make mistakes. And he puts you exactly where he puts you and made you the way that he made you, not just for you. You don't get to be the judge of whether or not you're important. If you're an ear, you don't get to say, because I'm not an eye, I don't really fit, I don't really belong. He puts you where he puts you for the common good of the church. Don't deprive the church of the gifts that the Holy Spirit is giving you for the church. So when you're not involved in church, when you're not really in close fellowship with the church, then not only are you being deprived of the gifts that God has given to the other members, you're depriving the other members of the gifts that God has given to you. Verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you, are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we actually bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. I want you to hang on to that phrase for a minute. I have no need of you. Think about that for a second. And recognize that you have no right to say that to any other part of the body. I have no need of you. Look at verse 24. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Just as we are not to despise our own gifts and not to say, I don't belong to the body because I'm not some other part, because I don't have some other gift. Likewise, we're not to despise other people's gifts. And that's what we're saying, isn't it? When we say, I don't really need the church. I don't really need the church. I don't need to be part of a life group. I don't need to go to Bible classes. I don't really need to attend. I, I don't really need to spend time with my brothers and sisters throughout the week. I don't need to call anybody or text anybody or encourage anybody. I don't really need them. That's what you're saying, isn't it? I don't really need the other parts of the body. And God would say, you absolutely do. You need the rest of the body. And the rest of the body needs you. The Holy Spirit did not give you gifts so that you could be self-sufficient. Self-sufficiency is antithetical to Christianity. There is no self-sufficiency within the body of Christ. You don't get to be a self-contained little spiritual unit without your brothers and sisters in Christ. We are there for one another and one another are there for us. They need you, but you also need them because every member is filled by the Spirit. Verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. 
And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? What's the implied answer to all of these questions? What is it, church? No, no, no. Not everybody has these gifts. Not everybody can do these things. The Holy Spirit doesn't need everybody to be doing these things. He made some people apostles, but not everybody apostles. He made some people prophets, but not everybody prophets. He made some people teachers, but not everybody teachers. So stop despising other people because they don't have the gifts that you have and stop despising yourself because you don't have the gifts that they have. The Holy Spirit has made you, you. And God loves variety. And there's only one you. The Holy Spirit only works in one person in the unique way that he's working in you. And it's you. It's you. And the church needs you. But that's also true of every other Christian you know. Yeah, even him. Yeah, even her. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? And you're tempted to say, I don't need them. I don't need her in my life. I don't need him in my life. You want to bet? You want to bet? Even if it's just to bring you some humility and teach you patience and perseverance, you need them in your life. We need one another in our life. The Holy Spirit is filling you in a unique way and he's filling them in a unique way. And the more variety and the more diversity that we have, the better off we all are because that's how a body works. That's how a body works. Verse 31, but earnestly desire, Paul says, earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. We don't have time to go through chapter 13 and 14. I thought about it, but I know we didn't have time. But 13, Paul says, listen, it doesn't matter how the Spirit gifted you. You can speak in tongues, you can prophesy, you can interpret. If you don't have love, none of that matters. None of that matters. That's the, the more excellent way. And the higher gifts are the ones that edify. The gifts that edify. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Building each other up. See, because some things are given to you but they're for someone else. Some things can only be experienced when they're shared. Some things can only be experienced when they're shared. For instance, your smile. Your smile is one of those things. Because did you know you have never seen your smile with your own eyes? You've never seen your smile with your own eyes. You've only ever seen a reflection of it or a smile with your own eyes. Go ahead, try it. It's okay, you can try it. <laughs> you can't see your smile with your own eyes because... It wasn't given to you for you. Your smile was given to you for everybody else in your life. And you really can only experience it when you share it. And they can only experience it when you share it with them. And the same is true with the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to you. Being in fellowship, being in fellowship, being in close relationship with one another being in fellowship is the way we witness and experience 
the Spirit working through one to bless another. And chances are you've already witnessed this and experienced this, haven't you? Being in close relationship with one another, being in fellowship with one another, sharing our lives with one another is the only way to really witness and experience the Spirit working through one to bless another. And sometimes you're the one, and sometimes you're the other. Sometimes you're just the witness to the one blessing the other. But you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. You're not going to be able to witness it or experience it unless you're in close fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's only when you're in fellowship that you can witness and experience the Spirit working in one to bless another. I, I could testify to this, that I have experienced the Holy Spirit working in me to serve others, but more often working in others to serve and bless me. And sometimes I just get to be a third-party witness to see one Christian bless another Christian or one Christian bless a neighbor. And church, that's why I tell you every week I love you because I get to be a witness. I get to stand here and see the Spirit of God blessing one person and working in one person to bless and serve another. In fact, this week, we got a card from the McNeil family, and I'd like to read it to you. Most of you know that the McNeils lost their 15-year-old daughter, Shion, recently. And they wrote to you, their brothers and sisters here at McDermott Road, and said to our dear brothers and sisters at McDermott, words cannot express how grateful we are for the way you have and continue to shower us with love and support as we go through this process of loss. The many meals, texts, calls, cards, monetary gifts, and the assistance with the services are beyond appreciated. Your Christian compassion will never be forgotten. With this very significant loss, faithfully, the McNeil family. See, that's, that's fellowship. Fellowship is you sharing one another's celebrations and also sharing one another's grief and loss. It's bearing one another's burdens. It's not just sharing a meal together. It's not just having a chat together. It's not just even being in the same room with each other. It's sharing each other's lives so that your burdens become their burdens. Their joys become your joys. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you so that you can bless others and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill them to bless you. It's being in such close fellowship that we would be extinguished if we removed ourselves from the others. It's recognizing that it's impossible to catch fire alone. That the only way to fully experience what the Holy Spirit has to offer us is to be in fellowship with one another. The Holy Spirit wants to comfort you in your loss. And so often the way that the Holy Spirit does that isn't just on the inside. It's the Holy Spirit filling someone else to come into your life and love you and serve you and minister to you. That's how the Holy Spirit works. And when they lose someone, the Holy Spirit is filling you to go into their life to minister to them. This is the way the Holy Spirit is working. And the only way to fully experience him is to be in close fellowship with one another. 
And when you are, when you are, you recognize there's nothing better than to witness and experience the Spirit empowering one to serve another. And maybe you are in need of that this morning. You're in need of your brothers and sisters in Christ loving you, praying for you, caring for you, allowing other spirit-filled people to surround you with love and prayer and care. Our shepherds would love to meet with you in the prayer room. You can come forward. Or maybe you're ready to put Jesus on in baptism and receive the Holy Spirit for yourself. Whatever we can do for you this morning, now's a great opportunity to come forward as we stand and sing.